I'd like you to imagine if a visitor from another planet came and was asking us a bunch of questions and we were trying to help explain things about our culture here, our earth culture. And let's say this being is holding a violin at some point, the instrument, and says, well, what is this? Well, what could we say? We might say it's an instrument. It's different than other instruments because it's played with a bow. And the bow has some hairs and they move across the strings and it produces these long, beautiful tones. And you can hear it in some of the most beautiful music of the planet, classical music of great composers throughout history. But that wouldn't really be too accurate. The probability that you can put a violin in anyone's hand and produce that is very low. And yet we don't say that this is an instrument of torture for screeching on one's ears and <laughs> disturbing the peace. But that's more likely what is to happen with any given violin. So why don't we describe it that way? Because we're thinking of the purpose and its intention and its design. And even though it's rare to be able to perform on the violin, especially to master it, we still think of it in that way. Similarly, the human being has some ultimate purpose, but we do a lot of screeching. And there's a poem by Hafiz, the Sufi mystic poet, that says, when the violin can forgive its past, it starts singing, which simply means that we have a long process of shedding, wood shedding, through meditation, through spiritual practice, to be able to fulfill our purpose. But somewhere along the way, I think a human being gets discouraged by many types of conditioning. And so the practice is about coming back again and again to the intention of why we're here. And it applies both to the highest goal, like awakening and enlightenment, but it also applies, I think, to our smaller goals, like to be kind, to be truthful, to be honest. This morality and, and values, and it's so easy to get deviated from that. Now scientists and psychologists say that more than 50% of our day is spent lost in thought. Our activities become habitual and therefore we can perform them without much conscientiousness. It kind of runs opposite to spiritual life. Spiritual life is all about being very present, being very mindful. The brain does this for a good reason. It conserves energy by operating in routine and habit and instinct. We share most of our brain with all other mammals and unless we're using our higher awareness, we're pretty much operating on instinct and survival and desire and pleasure seeking. So the best tool that I know of to be more present and more intentional is our breath. Our breath is an opportunity to pay deeper attention to what's happening in the present moment. And multiple spiritual masters have told me that enlightenment isn't much more than not missing a single breath. If you were to be able to 
be aware of every breath, you would be there. And since that's so challenging for people, then there's so many other techniques and so many other strategies to ground yourself in the present moment. But if a person was that in tune, that aware, everything would become clear. And the breath is interesting among all the visceral processes in the human body because it can be voluntary or involuntary. And if you think of something like heartbeat, heartbeat is only involuntary. I can't choose each beat I want to take like I can with each breath. I can regulate the breath whenever I become aware, but I can't do that with circulation. I can't do that with digestion. I can't pause my food somewhere in the intestines and then move it along again. And I can't do that with immune functioning, only respiration. And that's why I think the word inspiration is so close to respiration, because if you breathe consciously, it's not a regular inhalation, it's an inspiration, which gives a human being access to their full creative potential. And the breath, when it's involuntary, it's regulated by the medulla, which is down here near the brainstem. It simply just sends signals when there's not enough oxygen to take the next breath. And all that can happen without any conscious awareness. If you breathe consciously, you have to be present. And that happens up here in the cortex, in the higher part of the brain. So in the human brain, there are two areas for controlling this one visceral process, breathing. And that's why for so many types of spirituality, the foundation is how to breathe. And spirit comes from Latin spiritus, which means breath. Breathing is the core for being able to be more intentional. And most people think, or talk about intention as um, like, what do you want out of life? But I think for spiritual people, intention is more about how do you want to live? Not what do you want to get or achieve or manifest, but how do you want to live? Because that is what we have control over. How would we respond to every situation in life? What are the core values? So I think it's wise to have a sense of what your top values are in life, whether it's spirituality, awakening, peace, kindness, compassion, whatever those core values may be. And I think there's, they're a little bit different for everybody because for 20 years working in hospitals, I've been asking patients to elicit their top values in order, one, two, three, four, five. And I've never come across two people with the same values. Yet, we may be thinking that we're living our values. And it may be true that we are honoring some good values, but they may not be our core values. And the end result is that we can feel unfulfilled in the most meaningful areas of our life. We have to be tuned in to see what truly is the authentic values for us. And it's important to have these ordered and prioritized because of two reasons. Life is short. Since there's limited time, you can't honor every value that sounds good. I can't both have a family and enjoy the freedom of total independence at the same time. Both are good values. Independence is good, freedom is good. And so is family, and so is commitment, and so is responsibility and loyalty. 
but you can't go as deeply into both simultaneously, so you have to make a choice. And sometimes life chooses for us, but the more in tune we are, the more we can honor what truly is authentic within us. And so that's one, there's limited time. If we could live forever, then it doesn't matter. Honor any value for a hundred years and then <laughs> change directions. So limited time means we have to make decisions. And it will be easier to make intentional decisions if you know what you truly are here to do. And then secondly, there is a high rate of distractibility for the human being. It's so easy to deviate from one's purpose with the slightest uh, temptation. And that's the case with the spiritual path. That's the case with career goals, family goals, creative goals. It's so easy to get distracted. And we maybe get distracted for something else that is also nice, but it wasn't our intention. So because of those two reasons, it's important to know what you truly care about and keep trying again and again. Interestingly, this is already wired into the human being, but we lose it along the way. If you observe a baby trying to walk, it falls again and again and again. And yet that does not discourage it whatsoever from trying to achieve its purpose of walking. And even though it can keep its balance only for a moment, and spends more time in balance, that's not enough to dissuade the, the infant. But as we become adults, slight fall here and there, and the person thinks, I'm not cut out for it. Especially with the spiritual path. A few temptations here and there, a few weaknesses here and there, and the person decides, uh, maybe not this life. I've got more lives, I can try next life. So my point here is simply that we have to again be like the baby. You may fall again and again and again, get back up, get back up and try again, and we can achieve it. In my own journey, I have witnessed this in myself countless times. The desire to meditate is very strong or was very strong as a young man. And I was able to meditate for six to eight hours a day for months at a time. And then it would wane, and then I couldn't focus enough, I, the desire wasn't there. I remember going to my teacher one time and saying, um, struggling to just maintain the desire for truth and for meditation. And he just laughed, he said, well, you can't control when the desire comes. You can't control that. But like in the yin-yang symbol, when it's daytime, be ready to go. And I thought that was interesting, because all the while we think that we're exerting all this free will. So. So part of this, too, is just the realization that so much is beyond our control. But if you witness that, if you watch that, you're present again. And we can even watch that with full conscientiousness, with mindfulness and awareness. And once again, we're, we're connecting with our purpose. This idea that we can control how we progress is almost like the kid who's in the video arcade sitting at the race car machine and thinking he's controlling it, even though it's just the demonstration before you put the coins in. You know what I'm talking about? But enough is happening to sync up with his movements that he feels like he's in control. And this is what awakening is all about, the realization that everything is a process. And human beings probably hallucinated 
their, their sense of control so as to protect the body-brain complex. To be truly present in, in the ancient times, like on the savannah, wasn't conducive to survival. That's why it's so difficult to be intentional. To stop and smell the roses, to look at the sky, to see that we're just part of the larger system would not help somebody be able to escape a predator. But now we have that luxury. I mean, we live at a time, probably one of the best times, maybe the best time in human history. Before was very dangerous and the future is so uncertain. But in this time, we have the opportunity to meditate, to awaken, to realize and shape the course of history. If you go back to any other era, the way the lifestyle could change was very marginal for an entire lifetime. One person's lifetime right now, the way of life has changed dramatically and the planet has changed dramatically.